Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, greetings. How did Jazzy start there? Hey. <laughs> this is the National Director of Operations 7, um, under the direction of Chairman Yanga and Chief of Staff War. We are presenting uh, the Did You Know series. Love this series. This series is about education, truly. Um, it's about giving the members of the People's Black Panther Party the opportunity to share with the masses what entity, energy, what person made that difference in your life? You know, what person um, changed your history and and what their contribution still stands for? So we've had some wonderful um, people presented, some I already knew, some I'm relearning. But we had some wonderful people presented, sharing that information, uh, giving us the opportunity to learn more. And tonight we will be speaking with um, our our general member Habiba, and I cannot wait to bring her on and give her the opportunity to share this awesome artist that she has selected that means so much in her world. So she's going to be giving us that education, the information. And we're going to move from there. Let's see, Habiba, are you on the line? Yes, ma'am. Greetings. Greetings, greetings. I'm so happy to be turning the mic over to you. Um, you know, <laughs> just last week, uh, our dear Aza did, Maya Angelou, did an awesome job. And the week before that was Solomon with Muhammad Ali. So you are in good company when it comes to uh, young people sharing their knowledge and, and giving us more to go on. So I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to be in the background, but I'm I'm listening, and we're all listening for the information you're going to present tonight. So the, the floor is yours, my dear. All right. Um, tonight I'm going to be talking about Jean-Michel Basquiat which is my all-time, hands-down favorite artist, like, ever. Um, I'm going to be starting out with a piece from a book that was created for him. Um, called it, It's called um, Now is the Time. And it states, Jean-Michel Basquiat was a pioneering artist who, against all odds, um, negotiated among everyday life knowledge and myth in his artistic practice. Not only a street artist or a graffiti artist, he was in fact a key figure in the art of the second half of the 20th century and remains one in the present. Shortly after his all-too-early tragic death on August 12, 1988, Anthony Hayden Guest called him America's first truly important black painter. Yet, 
as Richard D. Marshall later noted, categories like black artists and 1980s artists or even dead young artists are not adequate for describing Basquiat. His art now reflects the exciting art world of rural Manhattan in the 1980s while simultaneously remaining contemporary and topical today. Um, I chose Basquiat because he's, like I said, my, my all-time favorite artist. He's an inspiration for my abstract and um, expressionist art that I tend to be pretty secretive about. Um, I realized that most of the people I look up to um, actually have dealt with some type of like drug abuse or addiction. Um, most of these people, I feel, have, have used certain substances as coping mechanisms, as coping mechanisms at times, and escapism. And then the same subject as them being major inspirations to me, I learned to not only use them as inspiration, but to also learn from them and to learn what not to do. He was very misunderstood when it came to his personality and his art, and I felt the same way since I was a child. I have high hopes that one day that my art will be worth just as much as his today, but but while I'm still alive. Even though he's had his bit of fame while he was still alive, he had even more harsh, misjudged critiques, and it wasn't until his death that people really started to appreciate him. And it tends to be like that for a lot of artists, especially black artists. Every time I hear about Basquiat or I see his art, it makes me more confident in my art. And I hope that one day um, someone looks up to me and stands for me as much as I do for him. Um, so I kind of wrote <laughs> a short seven-page biography on him. Um, it shows that he, he, he really means a lot to me. So I wanted to share with you guys some, some facts about him. Um, one second. Jean-Michel was born December 22nd, 1960, in Brooklyn, New York, and he died August 12th, 1988, in Great Jones Street, New York. He's an African-American artist of Haitian and Puerto Rican descent, and he's mostly known as Basquiat. Uh, Basquiat was a member of the Brooklyn Museum since the age of six. He had a pretty harsh life um, as a child after his accident at the age of eight, and his parents split up because of his hospital bills got too expensive, and um, he went to go live with his father, who, who would abuse him, and his skate would be drawings in his basement. He hated obedience and didn't do well in regular schools, so he went to school um, for gifted kids who didn't respond well to traditional teachings. However, he, he never graduated high school due to him dropping out. He was very famous for his graffiti tag known as Samo, meaning Samo shit, which he then changed to Samo is dead in the 1980. Um, because he was poor most of his life, um, he, mo- most of his childhood and his teen life, he mostly ate like 15 cent bags of Cheetos and drank really cheap red wine. Um, at the age of 19, he was starred in a movie called Downtown 81, playing the role of himself. So all of the paintings made inside of the movie are actual original Basquiat pieces. Because he had no money, he would usually paint on anything he could find, like doors, refrigerators, TVs, walls, and floors. He, and he could finish about two to three paintings a day. 
In March 1982, he had his first solo show at the age of 21, and he sold every single piece, making about $20,000 in one night. And he became an instant star. He started um, mostly working throughout the day, and he partied a lot at night. A club in Manhattan called the Mud Club became Basquiat's second home, and this club was also an art gallery. Um, he loved to smoke joints, but because he had more money now that he eventually turned to cocaine and heroin, um, he said he preferred to work alone. So whenever he had his assistants around, he really got most of his work done whenever they left or when they weren't around. He was really reclusive. Um, in 1985, he had his first major press appearance in the New York Times Magazine, and it was titled New Art and New Money. And the, the critics for this article weren't really fond of him. They created these stories about him that weren't really true based off of his appearance, and um, he made sure to always set the record straight. Um, the, the more famous he got, uh, the more he started to not trust the press and even some of his friends, and he thought he was only surrounded uh, for exported reasons, and so he tried to stay reclusive so he wouldn't be brought down. Um, stepping out of the famous art scene, he knew that he was just another black man living in New York City. Um, subjects of race started to show up more in his artwork, and he started depicting, uh, depicting the traumas of black people in America and how, how they had to face it. And his, heart, his art started to bring more attention to the lack of diversity in the world of art. Um, he once stated that the black person is a protagonist in most of my most of my paintings. I realized I didn't see many paintings with black people portrayed in modern art enough. The crown that he's mostly known for in his art is representative of his success. He was the king of the art world, and he wanted to celebrate that because the world didn't. Basquiat then became friends with uh, famous Andy Warhol. And people started to question the motives behind their friendship as they thought that um, they were using each other for personal gain, but their love for each other was nothing but genuine. And Andy Warhol kind of treated him as a child. Um, they had collaborations on huge pieces being as big as 10 by 20 feet large. Um, most of his pieces got bad reviews um, during the collaboration because the critics thought that Andy was just using, um, using him for um, staying more relevant. Um, Basquiat ended up leaving New York depressed and hurt by all the negative critiques, and he ended up ending his friendship with um, Andy Warhol. And um, unfortunately, a week later, Andy Warhol ended up dying due to an unstable heart, and John was very devastated um, that he never got a chance to, to fix the relationship before he transitioned. And he felt like no one could replace his best friend. Started to develop an even worse drug habit, and he started to lose control. He, he was stated in um, April 1998 that um, they tell me the drugs are killing me, and I stop. And then they say my heart is dead. And his art then started to seem... His art then started to seem, um, he was kind of predicting his future. Um, in the last, in one of his last art shows in April 
1988. All of his paintings were pretty dark. And in one of his paintings, he scribbled, man dies all over the place. Um, His depression started getting a little worse as he uh, was still craving the validation from his father that he never received. And um, he was very aware of his drug problem, so he went to Hawaii to get cleaned up. But then he eventually ended up returning back to New York a couple months later. And then on August 12th of 1988, um, he was supposed to attend a Ren DMC concert, but um, his girlfriend at the time saw him sleeping, so she didn't wake him up. But then she came to check on him three hours later and saw that, um, realized that he was unresponsive, lying in a pool uh, of his own vomit. And he was pronounced dead um, at the age of 27. He was America's first important black painter and artist, and he left behind over thousands of paintings and drawings. He was very misunderstood because of how he transitioned, but he was more than successful. He did more in his 27 years of living than most human beings will ever accomplish, especially in the world of art. And unfortunately, his life ended way too soon because of his poor mistakes and letting what critics what uh, critics say about him and his art affect his life. And I do have another quote um, for him. He says that um, he used to say, I don't listen to what critics say. I don't know anybody who needs a critic to find out what art is. And how I thought about that was even though he may feel this way, it still kind of took a pull on his life, still relevant to this day. Um, and I feel like he always will be. His art is still being sold for now millions of dollars. He actually had a piece that um, he had a piece in 2017 that a Japanese billionaire uh, bought that was entitled 1981, and it sold for 110.5 million dollars, making it the highest price ever paid for an American artist's work at any auction. Many of artists have recognized him, such as Jay-Z, Nas, and Kanye West, just to name a few. Um, he, he was definitely ahead of his time, and he became a huge inspiration for art today and will always be used for references and inspiration. He took the common rules of certain art subjects and broke each and every one of them, creating his own look based on his own perspectives. And that's kind of the, the little biography that I that I that I wrote for him. Um, I remember when you you called me, you you asked me to to think of somebody that I, I could I could do a Did You Know series on, and I automatically thought about him because I, I think about him a little too often, especially throughout the day, like almost every day. He means a lot to me because he's very misunderstood to the point where I'm actually getting emotional now. <laughs> Just like Aza. Um. <laughs> Just like Aza. <laughs> and yeah. um, I'm glad you picked someone so young, 27. Yeah. 27, right. just a baby. Um, just really beginning in his art. And to be, you know, I, everyone knows I am anti-drug. And um, a lot mm-hmm. of artists, for a lot of artists, drugs are, 
really a part of their life. You know, it it, it is uh, something that, you know, it's almost an, under, an understanding. This is what we do. Um, but in this situation, it cut him down and um, mm-hmm. took him away from us. You know, I've seen, and, and since you said his name, and I know a lot. Well, no, I don't want to say I know a lot. I know some about the Haitian culture, and I've seen a lot of his art before. I didn't know, I didn't put the name with the art, but I this style I'm very familiar with. I've seen it. And so mm-hmm. it helped me to kind of get a flashback of, you know, who this was and, and how not just American but also Haitian-American, um, how we can continue and how we need to continue this preservation almost of this um, art right here. Right, right. He used a lot of um, Haitian um, and a lot of his background of his parents, uh, where they came from, he, he used that as inspiration for his art and a lot of his work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, Ian, to have the title of being one of the most highest paid artists, that says a whole, whole lot. Right. Right. And, I mean, what, what really touches me about him is, you know, like like I mentioned in the little um, thing I wrote, it's it's a lot of artists that, really don't get their full fame until they're gone. And especially black artists. And it it really breaks my heart because it's like for a lot of black artists, it's because of our appearance, we don't get the recognition that we deserve. So it it really touches me to to, to think about things like that. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, do you have a favorite piece of his? Yes, I do. It's actually the one that um, sold for one hundred and ten point five million dollars. It's it's called it's titled Untitled. Um, I believe nineteen eighty one. It's actually pretty special to me. It's I plan on getting it tattooed. Um, I remember when I first started learning about. Basquiat. I mean, like when I was a child, and I saw that piece, and I it's been my favorite ever since. It's mm-hmm. it's it's really because it it depicts the like the it kind of looks like a skull, so it it really resonated with me a lot. Untitled, nineteen eighty two. I think nineteen eighty one. I believe it's untitled 1981 because he has a lot of untitled pieces. So, um, but I believe it is, yeah, 19. Let me double check. Yeah, untitled 1981. 1981, okay. So the reason why I ask is because, you know, I know that you like the skulls, and, and, and from what I've seen of his work, he's really into the skulls. So I. I mm-hmm. I'm understanding where it's coming from now. (laughs) (laughs) And the crazy thing is, like, growing up, I never put, I never put the two together. But, yeah. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. 
Well, let me ask you this, if I can ask you a question. I don't want to interrupt you or anything. Mm-hmm. But um, No, yeah, yeah. If I can ask a question, because um, it sounds like, and I've heard this before, because I know a couple of artists, and it's like they, they're always talking about the critics. The critics are always kind of there being disruptive, I guess. You know, how how do you handle, you know, critics and the idea of someone, you know, critiquing or being able to say, okay, this is art or saying that this is not art? Honestly, I try not to deal with it at all. I I kind of feel the same way he feels about it. When it, when it comes to something like art, I I don't I personally don't feel like there should be a critique on it. I feel like art is is about a certain perspective and depending on who the artist is, they create something in their in their perspective. I don't feel like it's up to me to deliver a certain, you know, message to 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 people. I mean, in a way, like people are going to perceive art different. Like I could paint a heart and somebody could think, you know, automatically about love. Somebody could see it in human form. Somebody could be triggered by it. So when it comes to critiquing art, I leave that for to critique themselves. Like I don't, I'm not really good with that. And I think that's, I, I think I'm so, I think I'm iffy about it because that's one of the reasons why I don't showcase my art enough. Sometimes I do right. feel like I tend to let critics um, speak for me, and it, it just kind of irritates me a little bit. Yeah. Sometimes I feel I like mean, art can just speak for itself. Right, right. I mean, because I look at his art, and it is so, it's so, so, that I would be like, what in the world? You know what I'm saying? It, it's <laughs> definitely an acquired taste. Uh, you know, yeah. I don't like fruit. I don't like the the bowl and the fruit in the bowl. I need a little bit more than that. But this, it would take me forever. You know, now I know why people go to museums and just sit there and look because there's so much going on in this picture. There's yep. so much going on, and, you know, it's definitely an acquired taste. You have to, you know, you know, I, you have to go in and really be able to get a good appreciation for it. And so, right. you know, next question I would like to ask, because the, the two kind of go together, how do mm-hmm. you as an artist, you know, you yourself are an artist, and you use mm-hmm. multiple mediums, in your art artistic expression, how do you manage all these different expressions um, without getting sucked into uh, mainstream, without being sucked into what you think everybody else is expecting of of them? You know, how do you not do that? It can be hard sometimes. It can be hard sometimes, especially with social media. That's like the biggest platform for for artists to to showcase things that they create. 
And I feel like sometimes it can be hard to, to look at something as inspiration versus competition. And um, it, it, it can definitely be hard sometimes. Whenever I am in the mood to create something, I, I try not to look anywhere but what's in front of me. Sometimes I'll stare at a blank canvas for about two hours, and then I'll just paint mentally. And I, I, I like to meditate before I create anything because it gives me a time to ground myself and kind of disconnect from everything that's around me so then I can actually paint what I truly need to create. Uh-huh. Now, yeah, yeah. Now, you are a trained artist, and tell me, was is it Basquiat? Basquiat. Basquiat. All right, tell me, was was he trained? Did he go to school for this? You know, how did he develop these skills? So he did go to school. Um, However, he, he did drop out. But um, because he was always around, you know, the, the really famous high-up artists, he had that experience to, to know what, I'm doing quotations, like society called art. And he basically broke all the rules <laughs> to it. He was like, okay, you want me to draw an apple? He's going to draw an apple. And it looks nothing like what society thinks an apple looks like. And it just it 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 fascinates me um, about that with him. Awesome, awesome. And and so as you, <laughs> I'm listening, it's like as you go through this, you know, as you start to understand um, artists and artistic expression, that rebellion. How do you feel about you know? How do you feel about other African Americans trying to contribute into the art world. You know, how how do you feel about the industry? I I I really feel like don't be afraid to 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 let yourself out there. No matter if you think you're going to be judged, no matter if you think anybody's going to like it, whether they like it or don't like it. I'd post it. I'd share it. I'd, I'd, I'd let it out for people to see um, because just like him, he, in a way, he didn't care. He created what he wanted to, and he didn't care what critics had to say for the most part, even though, you know, it did affect him because they were pretty harsh, but he still did it. And even today, his, his art is worth millions. And it, it, that's the true inspiration that, that I feel as though, like, even though I may not even like my art sometimes, but I have to push myself sometimes to just, just do it because I, you know, you're, yourself can be your worst critic at times. So I have to, like, overcome my ego and, and know that I'm doing this for a reason. So and that's how I feel about it. I feel like you should just just, just do it. Somebody mm-hmm. will like it. <laughs> right. And even well, if they don't, I've, it doesn't matter. Okay, even <laughs> if they don't. Right, right. Like, I like to stitch. I have a couple of 
they turn into wall hangings, but they are 100% fabric. And I'm not a seamstress. I cannot sew a straight line. I do everything by hand. But yet I like that creative process. And so mm-hmm. I, I tell people it ain't no straight line. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it takes me forever to do it. You know, I've sold one piece, and, I, and only because I was like, the piece wanted to leave. You know, I was like, okay, go ahead. But um, it is always uh, challenging um, to have that expression, you know. And, and so right. I always want to know uh, how do you, how do we keep the industry going? What do you tell the young people that are interested in drawing? Because some of his drawings, I'm like, I don't think I could do that. You know, very detailed, a whole lot of and then some of it, I'm like, give me some time. I can fake it. I can make this happen. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> are there enough, in your opinion, enough African Americans in the art field now? Do you see a change in, what, the last 20 years maybe? You know, I know you're kind of young yourself, but it's like, you know, <laughs> what changes do you see that have occurred um, and what changes need to occur still? I definitely see a lot more um, African-American artists than before. And even, you know, looking at the history of art in general, I appreciate that, you know, society is giving us, I'll say, um, I feel like it's much deserved. Looking back at just, everything as a whole in in America and culture-wise, a lot of it started from black people. And I'm hoping that, you Absolutely. know, we, we tend to get more, right, like we, we I hope one day we'll, we'll get the, the appreciation that we deserve and it's not as <clears throat> whitewashed. But, um, yeah. yeah, I do see it sure. appearing more and more. But I also I also personally feel like even though I feel as though especially now um, it tends to look like a trend to to appreciate black art, um, which is it's, it kind of bothers me. But it's also like I mean I can't complain because at least I'm I'm getting my recognition. But I don't feel like I should be able to get my recognition just because I'm a trend. Because what happens when the trend is over, and now you see me as right. just another black person? Right, right. You know, something I hear a lot of artists complain about, and you know, I want to be honest, I want to be open, I want to be transparent. <laughs> but I hear a lot of artists complain about the money. Yeah. Where they don't feel yeah. compensated for the work that they do. They don't feel, you know the support from their community and um, right. it it, could, it discourages them from, you know, part of their creative process, you know? So what about it, the, it the money aspect? I was just talking about this earlier. Um, when it comes to art, I feel like it's, it's priceless. But because you know, we have to eat, we have to have a place to live, we we have to, you know, pay for things. 
money is involved. And I, because, you know, with art, people look at certain things with value. Um, I don't like finding value in certain art because then that leads to another critique, like, oh, it should cost this much, or, oh, why is it this expensive, um, which leads back to the to the negative connotations of things. And, and um, But you can obviously tell when some art, you know, it, it looks like, oh, you know, that should cost $20,000, this should cost $20. It just really kind of bothers me that we even have to, rely on, you know, putting a price tag on something that we create in order to make a living. I agree. I agree. And then also, um, (laughs) sensitive question, how do you feel about non-African Americans or non-black people um, purchasing black art? You know, because, you know, very, not very few, but not many of us are going to be in the same position to be able to afford some of the higher prices. So the majority of your audience may be non-black. So how, how do you balance that? How do you, how do you personally feel about it? That that is a tough question. Um, I'm pretty bittersweet about it, honestly. Um, of course, you know, being an artist, you want your art to sell and you want to make money off of it. Unfortunately, my my audience for the time, so I do have to, you know, change my audience to people who you know who can that that tend to have lighter skin. Um, I'm pretty bittersweet about it because, I mean, at one point, my art is selling and somebody's buying it. It's just not the audience that it's for. (laughs) Right. Right. That's why I try to, you know, encourage other artists and people around me to go ahead and push it out. We're all going to make it, especially if we work together and one person makes it that one person can't help the next black person make it. And then we both made it. So then we can afford each other's art. Absolutely. How how do you feel about, like, the trendiness of it? You know, as art as mm-hmm. art is becoming more trendy, more popular, I remember, um, and I'm, I, I say I'm not a Beyonce fan, but she does a couple of things that I really like. But in, the, right. in her, her eight video that I'm like, oh, you know, but she this this video is done in an art museum, okay? And I'm like, mm-hmm. ooh, Beyonce, you're trying to sneak art into people's lives. Look at you. So, <laughs> you know, she, you know, surrounded by art, paintings, sculptures, everything, you know. She doesn't, ha- she doesn't hesitate to go from art gallery to this Cajun understanding and everything else like that. How do you feel about art being utilized in a mainstream kind of way? Or do you have an opinion about it? I feel like if it's done that way, give the artist credit. Um, 
Uh-huh. I think that's another issue that, you know, artists tend to be pretty, like, to themselves about and not wanting to post because certain artists don't get enough credit. And it's, it's either, mm-hmm. you know, someone copies their art and then somebody that's more famous gets more credit over it. Um, I'm, 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 I'm really hard on giving the artists, no matter how big or small they are, credit. Right. Because it, it, it makes right. all the difference in the world. And, you know, we're talking about art. We're talking about painting. But not, but it's not exclusive, exclusive to painting. There's sculptures. There's uh, writing. There's poetry. There's all kinds of artistic things that fall into this category. So when we're talking about um, people getting credit, we're not just talking about, you know, paintings. Any artistic right. expression should be recognized by the originator of the the painting. You know, especially if they and sometimes people will will tweak it. They'll add one extra line, and you're like, "Oh my god!" And I'm like, "No, no." You know, and even mm-hmm. in our community, like our music, they will <laughs> redo a track in a minute. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, mm-hmm. you know, the original is this. You know, you redoing people's music, and people don't even realize it's a, a, a remake. Right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm very big on giving credits, even when some people actually don't like listening to music around me, especially new music, because I'm, I'm a little music nerd, as well as a little art nerd. So when I'm listening to a song... Right. And I can automatically spot, oh, that, they sampled that from so-and-so. Oh, they sampled this yep. from so-and-so. And they're like, I okay, we get thing. it. And I'm like, but it matters. It matters <laughs> because they're, they're around letting people think that they created this. And even if they're not doing yep. that, at least, you know, give a little credit in the, in, in, in the album. Like, hey, I sampled yep. this song from so-and-so. Or it, it, just, yep. it, it really makes all the difference in the world. I think so. I think so. And I love doing it. For me, it's trivia. You know what I'm saying? It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's, okay, who did it Who did it first, Mary J. Blige? Who did it first? You know, there's certain right. artists that are known for their remakes. And I'm like, okay, but, you know, um, if you are honoring that previous artist and you're giving them credit and money, then that's wonderful. But if you just run around like you you don't do that, I'm like, uh-uh, that's not yours, you know. You are borrowing that. So, you know, even right. when it comes in, unfortunately, in the African-American community, that's been a big deal. We have had a number of recording artists or or anything that have um, had their art stolen by other artists or by white artists and the white artists, they put their little spin on it, and they buy it out for $5, $10, and then it's gone. So, you know, this mm-hmm. is something that has really been uh, a problem in our community. Right. I I agree. And, I mean, and some people, they like to argue that, like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm sampling, and, you know, people sample all the time, and you shouldn't always have yeah. to you know, say this is from so-and-so, but if that's the case, then, I mean, why, why not, though? If it's your inspiration, if you use it for inspiration, why would you not want to give that person credit 
for what they created. That doesn't dwindle your life. If anything, people look at you for, you know, being good at recognizing good art. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, And we have to do our part in that. Right. We have to do our part in that. But, you know, again, you know, this comes from educating yourself in the first place. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, to educate yourself really about know. what art is. Right, right. I remember um, I have a little story from when I worked at an apparel shop. Um, so I, I had to write it down. But I said um, it's crazy how people are very familiar with Basquiat's art more than um, they are familiar with the person who created it uh, to the point where um, I was working as a graphic designer in, a, in an apparel shop and we had this art um, and it was him wearing boxing gloves and um, that was a part of the photo shoot that he did with Andy Warhol um, and being fascinated with the customer's um, art I that you know we 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 did the art for the shirts. I went out to the production area just to like, you know, see it be printed on the shirts and everything. And I overheard some of the um, production workers who the famous boxer was. And I'm just looking like, that's, that's not a boxer. Right. It's, it's Basquiat. Right. And I almost lost it. <laughs> right, right, right. I almost lost it. Yep. Yep. You know, it's that kind of stuff where they don't have enough information. Right. They don't have enough information. Like, it really broke my heart. I I remember when I was, oops, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, please. I was just saying, I remember um, when I was in school, um, there was a time where they were trying to take art and music out of school. And it it, it, yeah. it really, per, personal on a personal level, it really put me in in, in a bit of a deep depression, because honestly, I mean, I I did good in school, but when it came to like music and and art, that that was my forte. And I really, I even went to um like the like the council meetings, and I was like, I I really I I need this. <laughs> if you want me to continue to come to this school. I need I, I need these classes. Right. So right. It, it's, it's crazy how, like, people think that something like art and music isn't as important as other subjects, like math and reading. Absolutely. And, you know, with music being so, music and art being so universal and in its own language, even in the music, even in, you know, um, math and English class, we do learn about certain types of art and music. So right. it, it just kind of irritates me, especially especially nowadays where, um, you know, labeling someone as an essential worker. And, um, of course, essential workers are, you know, people who save lives, and, you know, I'm not, you know, discrediting them at all. But um, I forgot where I saw it, but they were saying that, like, artists and uh, musicians – wouldn't be labeled as essential workers. And it kind of irritated me. And I guess I got a little sensitive because I'm an artist and musician myself, but it made me think like if it wasn't 
for people like us, you wouldn't have any TV to watch. You wouldn't have any music to listen to. You wouldn't have any clothes to wear. You wouldn't have anything yep. to, you know, tell you, you know, which way to go when on, on the road. You wouldn't have anything to label what kind of food you're eating. So we're just as essential. Absolutely. And I believe when it comes, especially when it comes to uh, the work that, you know, you do in the schools, they're, they're taking out, you know, art. They're taking out music. They're taking out all of those mm-hmm. things that really um, add to the education. And these are things that people wouldn't be able to uh, obtain if it wasn't for school. You know, like I can't right. teach my child how to draw. That's definitely something right. you would have to go to school for, you know. And so <laughs> when we start taking those things out of the school, you know, to me, those um, are just as important as sports, you know, to where we have the opportunity to say, okay, look, um, here you can take, uh, learn how to draw, and you may be able to create something that can get you scholarships, that can go to school, that you can travel with. You know, there's so much that you can do with art, but I don't think enough people know that. Right. I don't think enough people know that. I don't think enough people truly understand that you have the opportunity to um, travel or or do whatever you want with your art. Is there anything um, that you would like to see done with your art? Because from what I know, uh, you know, he was very, he was kind of eccentric with his art. You know, is there something Mm -hmm. that you think about and you're like, I could do this, I could be that? Yeah, definitely. It's um, funny you say that, use the word eccentric. My mom and my family, (laughs) they used to call me eccentric all the time growing up. And honestly, I never really knew what that word meant. (laughs) Yes. I never knew what that word meant until I got older. And using that word, it just kind of tickles me a little bit because his art is very eccentric now that I know what it yes. means. Um, but I'm sorry, I just I thought about that for a second. What was the question? The, the question is, what would you like to do? What, what's the wildest thing that you could possibly imagine um, doing in your life? One of my biggest goals is... Um, being able, you know, to, to showcase my art and, and have it be inspiration for um, black girls like me. Um, okay. All my life I've been, you know, labeled the, the weird little black girl. And I would love, if I'm going to have that kind of, you know, label on me, I'd love to showcase that this weird little black girl is, is, is powerful, and every other little weird little black girl on earth is just as powerful. And I've always wanted to have a um, a creative space, not only for my art, but for other black people's art. I've always wanted my own <laughs> studio to be able to showcase other people's art. That is a pretty big goal of mine. Okay. Okay. I know I have... Um there's this great event that occurs in Douglasville, Georgia, called Artists and Poets. 
and um, every uh, February they have a tribute and they spend time highlighting new authors and new poets um, and also lots of portraits, um, a whole night of just culture. And you get the opportunity Mm. to showcase your art, you know, and showcase what you do and how you do it. And it becomes really uh, a, a, a who's who in that little area. But also what it does is it gives opportunity to um, those that are also into art because there's not many places that you can go as uh, an amateur on an amateur level. So, you know, it right. takes you know, those types of places for you to say, okay, you, here you are, here here this is. So, yeah. Right. I love stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I love it. It's and we have to a do big, it. a big goal of mine. We have to do it. You know, we have to be able to support others as they're doing it. You know, and this is something that I talk about a lot on this program, on other programs. We have to talk about what it takes to support each other. We should not have to be trying to convince a critic that our art is worth their time and energy. We should have our own places where your art gets exposure and and can be lifted up and can be uh, brought to the attention of people. And so we have to, as we are, you know, self-determination, what we do not have, we have to create. And so the idea that you're interested in, in creating a space not just for you but also um, for other artists, that's exactly what we need. We need more of those. Right. I say to that. <laughs> <laughs> okay? Okay? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we absolutely do. And, we, you know, not to be afraid of competition. How do you, and as we wrap down the last 10 minutes, after you answer this question, then you can just kind of do a wrap-up, but how do you handle uh, not feeling competition with other artists? How do you begin to get comfortable enough to collaborate um, without feeling like this person is going to try to steal my stuff? Right. You know, sometimes that that can be a little hard. It can it can be hard sometimes. But um, I think it also matters of you know how much your ego is involved. Um, okay. Not you know, having the thought of, you know, people being in competition with you, but just having a space to where we can create and share with each other. Um, but, but but being an artist, it, it, it can definitely be hard sometimes with collaborations and feeling like you're in competition. I will say that. But um, it, just, mm-hmm. it just takes, um, I, I think it has a lot to do with inner work, but how do you see mm-hmm. yourself inside? Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. Okay. Well, give us a wrap up. You know, what would you love people to know? I, I'm so glad you brought him up. I'm so glad that you shared um, his art. I have been, since you said it last week, I have been looking into who he was as a person, who he was as an artist. You know how how he worked 
So what would you like people to know as you do your wrap-up? Um, I really want people to know, especially creators, no matter whether you create art, music, um, you write, anything, any creators, don't don't be afraid to post. Don't be afraid to, you know, to, to let yourself out there, even if one person likes it or a thousand, a million. If nobody likes it, share it, let it out to the world. Um, not even just for, you know, it might become something one day, but just it's, it's, it can be a hill to get over. You know, sometimes um, I'll sit on a piece for months I've sat on a piece for years before. I'm just, I've had the thought of, you know, it's just, it's just not good enough. And then I have to ask myself, like, who is it not good enough for? You? Mm. So Mm. it's just something that you kind of got to, you kind of got to get, get over that because in some cases, you know, you don't want you to be the reason why you don't make it. So. That's right. I would definitely. That's right. Yeah. That's that kind of don't get in your own way. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you be the reason why you didn't make it? That's kind of deep. Yeah, that's kind of deep. Too many of us. I think I can end with that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Drop the mic on that one, okay? Well, thank you so much for sharing, taking the time out of your day. Um, This is not easy to do, but it's so important because you are taking your time out to educate other people, not just on this great artist, but on art in general. So I really do appreciate your time and energy, okay? I appreciate the opportunity. Like I said, like when you first mentioned it, I was like, oh, this is easy. (laughs) I I, I love Basquiat. I'll talk about Basquiat all day. (laughs) Awesome, awesome. And you've given us a lot to work with and hopefully inspire some people. Look, pick your pencil back up. Mm-hmm. Pick, pick your paintbrush back up. You know, pick, pick up whatever you're going your chalk, your whatever. Try again. You know, pick up that clay. You know, however you were creating, whatever you were making, go ahead and, and, and stay with that energy because it deserves light. And we don't, you know, all of us don't have to become you know, renowned artists, but we can just create, just have something, have an expression. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yay. Yay. So thank (laughs) you so much, and we will speak more soon. All right? All right. Thank you. All right. You're more than welcome. Black Power. Black Power. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.